you want to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, we're going to be there today. The title of today's message is God with us. As I was preparing for this message, I read a story about some people who worked in an office building. It was one of these like really high-rise office buildings like you'd see somewhere like Chicago or New York City where it's you know, 100 stories tall. And they get in, into the express elevator because they live on one of, or work on one of these top stories. And it's one of these that'll take you from ground floor all the way up to 80 in one fell swoop. And so they get in there and they're going up to work and looking at their phones and doing everything that people do as on the way up to work in the elevator. And as they go up there, they hear this bang, and the elevator shutters and comes to a stop, and the lights go out. And they're sitting there in darkness for a few moments, and then the emergency lights kick in, and nothing is happening. And normally these people would be, you know, kind of cool, kind of collected and everything. Well, these people suspended hundreds of feet up in the air now just start losing their minds. They're pounding on the walls. They're yelling for help. They're just, it's just total chaos in this elevator. And nobody seems to know what to do except for this 10-year-old child that was going up to visit his parents. And this 10-year-old child noticed this blinking light on the wall. And he walks up to the blinking light and he reads what it says. It says, if the elevator stops, don't panic. And the little child looks at it and says, okay, well, I'm not going to panic. And then the light then says, open this door, pick up the phone, and tell the person what the problem is. And so, as a little child, he opens the door, picks up the phone, and says, hey, our elevator's broken, to the person who picks up the phone. And the person on the other end of the phone says, oh, okay, give me one second. And he walks over and he flips a circuit breaker, elevator kicks, bumps again, and starts going up to its destination. And this little boy simply did what the instructions told him to do. But sometimes we feel like these people in the elevator, don't we? We're just minding our own business. We're going through life, going through the everyday occurrences that, we hap that happen in our lives, and then all of a sudden, bang! The lights go out. We stop moving, and you have no idea how you're going to get out of this mess. The Bible is filled with people like this. People that have been in this exact kind of situation. Walking through life, and then all of a sudden they get that bang moment, and it seems like everything is out of their control. Joseph, the, fa the earthly father of Jesus, was one of these people. And his elevator had just gone bang. And he was left in the dark, scared and not knowing what to do. And that's where we pick up the story in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, 
which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and they gave him the name Jesus. And Father God, just be with us this morning as we look into the circumstances surrounding your birth. And most of all, let us learn how we are to react when our elevators go bang. When we find ourselves in a situation, Father, that is totally and completely outside of our control. Help us to study the life of Joseph here and see how he managed to get through this by leaning on you. And Father God, be with us this morning in your name. Amen. So we're going to dig into this situation that Joseph is in here because as we said, he just heard this loud bang in his life. And it seems like the lights are out and it seems like he is really stuck in a really weird and bad situation for him. So let's look at the situation that he is in. First of all, let's consider the circumstance of the culture and the national situation that he is in. He's living in a nation that was once, hundreds of years ago, the world superpower. He, I mean, Israel was the dominant force within the Western world at that time. But since then, it has been conquered by Babylon. His people had been carried off to Babylon and had finally returned into the nation. But since they've returned to the nation, they've been conquered three more times. In the last 400 years, Medo-Persia took them on and, and conquered them. Greece under Alexander the Great came and conquered them. And then finally, they're li now living under Roman domination. Now he's living as a subject of Rome and he's not even allowed to be a full citizen. That's the political situation. The spiritual situation is it's been 400 years since the word of God has come to this nation. 400 years. If we go like four days and we don't hear the voice of God, we start thinking that something is wrong. 400 years since a prophet has spoken to this nation. Is it any wonder why Mary's supernatural explanation of what's going on was so hard for him to believe? I mean, they, they have been living without the supernatural for so long, and they've been living just going to, going to church, and every, every Saturday they go to church, they live, they, they learn the Torah, and they know their religious system, but they have not had any supernatural experience in over 400 years. So it's, it's no wonder why he finds a supernatural explanation to Mary's situation so hard to believe. And we read in the Bible and we see men like Joseph struggling to believe what God said. But put yourself in their shoes because don't we have the same kind of skepticism when we hear about miracles happening in different places? Don't we have the same kind of skepticism when we hear about people being raised from the dead in Africa? Or in China, people like entire villages coming to know Jesus because one person started praying. Or people on the battlefields of the Middle East and ISIS soldiers suddenly seeing a vision of Jesus in battle, dropping their AK-47s and giving their life to Jesus. These are things that are happening right now in our world. But we have a kind of skepticism because it doesn't happen where we're at. 
But Joseph is a faithful man. He's true to his Torahs, true to his religious leaders are telling him is a path to God's good grace. But let's be honest. He is in a situation right now and because of the national situation, because of the spiritual situation, there's no room for the supernatural in his life. What's going on in his life personally? Well, he's engaged. He's in love. He is now engaged to be married to Mary. Now, Jewish engagement is a little bit different than what we have. We've, got, we've said this a few times, but just as a, as a reminder, you had an engagement. Engagement in the Jewish culture is actually you are married. The only difference is prepare a place for his wife and then come, and come back and pick up his wife and they would have a massive celebration and that is when the marriage was consummated. So Joseph had proposed the engagement is done. They are considered to be a married couple at this point, even if they're not physically together yet. And he is out, he's building the house, he's building his business, he's getting ready to go and get Mary and bring her back to be his wife and living with her. So I imagine him just swinging this hammer every day, building this house. It's only a few more days till I go get Mary. It's only a few more weeks. You know, I, I'm almost ready. I'm almost ready to, to go and get her and, and bring her back to be my wife. And I just imagine that Mary is on his heart and mind every day as he builds this house. When he goes to, to bed at night, Mary is on his mind. When he wakes up in the morning, his, her name is on his lips. I just imagine him just has this huge vision of what his life is going to be like with this woman that he is so in love with. And then suddenly... A pregnant Mary comes to a, and bang, the lights go out. Bang, his life comes to a huge stop. And he doesn't know what to do. And his world at that point, this vision that he had for his life is just destroyed. Just close your eyes for a moment and just imagine how devastated he's been. Or he was at that point. Most likely, he's been working for weeks, if not months, preparing this house, preparing this business, being able to give Mary a home and a life with him. And now she shows up with a very obvious sign that she has betrayed him. And not only she betrays him, she then insults his intelligence by claiming that God did this. Look at it from his point of view. I mean, usually people say, the devil made me do it. But she's saying, God did this to me. As we consider how Joseph felt, let's make it personal. All of us have had times in our lives where people have failed us. I know I have. And some of the most gut-wrenching pain a person will ever feel is betrayal. And if we were honest, most of us would have been so angry, so furious at what happened, that we would have tossed her to the curb. We would have thrown her to the religious adultery. We would have been the prime witness, and we would have been the one that wanted to throw the first stone at her. But God chose, with the fury that was in his chose Joseph. Instead of making a rash decision, instead of going with the fury that was in his heart, with all the emotion that he had, Joseph decides to sleep on it. Giving him, and most importantly, giving God's voice time to
to penetrate through the pain, to penetrate through the anger, to penetrate through all the turmoil that was in his heart, and to quiet Joseph and be ready to receive the greatest story ever told. And by being slow to wrath, Joseph got to hear God's plan. And that is, the Savior is coming. And I don't think Joseph was expecting this. He's trying to be a righteous man. He's trying to show mercy to this woman that he loves, even though it made him look very bad in public. I mean, pregnant Mary shows up in Nazareth, and you imagine people started talking. We all live in a small town. And we all know that if you, if you go to certain places, you're going to hear all the stuff that's going on in the community. It was even worse back then. They were all they had. They had. You couldn't just drive and, and go somewhere else. I mean, you lived with these people. These people were not only your neighbors. They were probably extended members of your family. So as soon as pregnant Mary waddles into town, accusations started being whispered. Obviously, they didn't work true to their engagement. Obviously, they sinned and committed fornication. Obviously, you know, you just know how the rumors had to have started and how bad Joseph was looking at this community. And of all the things that God might be telling him to do, I don't think God saying that Mary's story is true is even a consideration to Joseph at this point. But I believe that when Joseph heard the words of the archangel Gabriel telling him what was going on, what the truth was behind Mary's situation, that the prophet Isaiah's words, as a student of the Torah, as every Jewish man was a student of the Torah, I believe that the prophet Isaiah's words immediately ran through his mind, that the virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You imagine when that hit Joseph's heart what he thought? He must have been stunned. He must have been flabbergasted. He must have fallen on his knees and say, God, you mean Mary is that virgin? You're talking about Mary, God? She is this, this virgin? You mean she's not crazy? You mean she's telling me the truth? And then, just as the angel is finishing this proclamation, Joseph hears the promise, Emmanuel, God is with you. And that's the central meaning that we find at Christmas. It's a very name that this child who represents all of this is, Emmanuel, God with us. And I believe that any fear, any doubt, and any unbelief that Joseph had disappeared at that moment because he had the assurance of God's blessing. Joseph had the assurance of God's favor. Joseph had the assurance of God's provision. And most important, Joseph had the assurance of God's presence. Notice something in the text. Joseph, the angel did not say that they, call, that they call Jesus Emmanuel. Emmanuel wasn't his nickname in heaven. Nor did something that Jesus would have even answered to as a young child. The text says they 
They shall call him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Well, who is that they? That's me and you. That's God speaking to us. By God saying we will call him Emmanuel, God is speaking to the deepest felt need that every human being has. The abiding, the overwhelming sense of completeness that is found in a relationship with God. You know, humanity, we try everything else in the universe to try to find a way to fill this hole that God has placed within us when he created us, that, that, that part of us that has to be kept in deep relationship with him. Humanity tries to drink their way through it. They try to spend their way to it. They try to relationship with other people their way to it. We try drugs and medications to dull the ache within our heart that we have that only is fulfilled through a deep and meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ. We strive for power. We strive for fame. We work ourselves to death to find it. But we can never have it because our actual need is the presence of God. And it is found in our lives through this small child. And we won't find it unless we come to this child in Bethlehem's manger. Hallelujah. Tammy, could you come back up? Is it any wonder that this is exactly how Christ came into this world? He came as a small child. You and I need Emmanuel in our lives. This world will offer you everything besides God to fill that spiritual hole. You can't drink your way to it. You can't spend money to find it. You can't find it on TV. You can't find it in the local bar. You need Jesus to fill that hole. Because the world's answers are empty. The world's answers are destructive. And ultimately, the world's answers for this is to pull you away from God, who is the only thing, ironically, that can fill that hole. And our souls desperately need Emmanuel in our lives. Now, I know that everybody has gone through some stuff. This community has gone through stuff. Personally, we've gone through some stuff. This church has gone through stuff. We've all come to that point in our lives where bang, and the lights go out. We've all had those kind of, have those kind of situations in our lives. But God would tell you right now to say, just stop. Stop. Stop striving so hard. Just stop. Quiet your heart. And come back to Bethlehem. God's answer is found in Bethlehem's manger. Emmanuel, God with us. Won't you come today? Thank you for tuning in to the Whitehall Assembly of God podcast. This is Pastor John Oscar, the senior pastor of Whitehall Assembly of God. If these messages have blessed you, I just encourage you to subscribe to these podcasts and you'll be able to hear every single message that comes out of Whitehall Assembly. 
If you are interested, go on Facebook and like us on Facebook. We do have a Facebook page, Whitehall Assembly in beautiful Whitehall, Wisconsin. We also have a website that you can visit, whitehallassembly.org, or you can come visit us in person. We are located on the corner of Dewey Street and Sheila Street in Whitehall, Wisconsin. We hope to see you there someday. If these messages have blessed you, I'd just like to encourage you to contribute toward us being able to continue to bring them to you. You can see that on our website, top right corner of the page. If you have any questions, you can contact me at my email, pastorjohnoscar at gmail.com. If you don't mind, I would just like to take a moment to pray for you before we go today. Father God, I just ask, Lord, that every single person who listens to these messages will be brought into a deeper relationship with you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let them experience the love and forgiveness that Jesus bought for us on Calvary's cross. I ask, Father, that you just use it to enrich their lives, that you use it to make them good ambassadors of the kingdom of God and bring them into your presence someday. Let them be fruitful, let them multiply, and let them be used mightily for you in these last days. Father, I commit them to your care now. In Jesus' name, amen. God richly bless you.